0: Ah, mornings. For most of us, that means waking up at stupid o'clock in the morning. And most of us just kind of say, no, thanks. I will let some crazy person do that. Doing that job in radio means, look, a lot of people would like to do that job in our business, but they only look at the romantic side of it. When they think about getting up before the sun, well, the idea becomes uh, less salient, less ideal for them. Ever want to know a CMA personality of the year? Uh, How about an uh, NAB Marconi Award finalist? Let's just say that the CMA knows our guest today. The ACM knows them, too. Marconi knows them. Pretty sweet. By the way, he's a married dad of three. I don't know if we'll get into that, but we definitely should because it's a big part of his life. We are going to talk about the awards. Look, but we also want to talk about community involvement, being a dad, and what I call the why. Okay, because we all, you know, a lot of people talk about radios, live and local, and that's what makes it special and all that. But okay, we're going to kind of, we're going to kind of demystify that a little bit today and take a, a center lane look. By the way, uh this sounds exactly like the kind of person that we'd like to talk to on our podcast welcome to the encouragers the radio rally podcast on apple audible spotify or almost anywhere you get your podcast our goal is always to encourage radio pros at all levels so if you work in the radio industry boom this is for you if you are a regular listener of this podcast you already know that we drop a fresh weekly episode featuring a radio pro working right now in radio uh, each Sunday to enjoy our podcast. You only have to be interested in others, be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead and ways to make your radio career more profitable and successful. In fact, if you really want to know why we think you should listen to these episodes on our podcast, here it is right here. If you can see it, you can achieve it. In other words, we talk to a lot of people in this business and often people you may not talk to or have access to, they share how they've been successful. When they do, you have access to their ideas, their energies, their philosophy that can help you in your career. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works or what we call ourselves RPC. Our practice is an actual multiplier, helping local radio generate higher ratings and higher revenue. It's this simple. When we go to work for a client and they follow our collaborative process and strategy, their revenue and profit rises. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Are your local radio stations programmed and positioned correctly to collect the most revenue today? Do you need better sales recruitment strategy? We can help you. Schedule a meetup by email. It's so easy. First consultation is free. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We're just about a minute away from welcoming Brent Lane. And listen, he's the program director And morning show co-host, Cat Country, 98.7 WYCT, Pensacola, Florida. A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we always make available minutes after we do the live interview and we do it on our social media that's why we kind of drag around and talk to you about the different ways you can get us of course uh we want to thank joe kelly for producing this podcast but also just joeproductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast listen uh if you are a radio salesperson or you know someone who sells local radio please don't forget that each quarter we have an exclusive radio sales event we have a fresh Q3 event in our archives right now. It's called Telling Local Radio's 21st Century Story. Hey, by the way, you know, I'll just make it as simple as possible. Those quarterly sales events, those are open to our industry and they are designed to help local sellers anywhere increase their revenue this coming quarter. That's what we do it for. It's that encouragement thing with us. We believe in the power of local radio today and the importance of sharing the 21st century story of radio with advertisers, communities and thought leaders today. See what you could get for free from our team in our free blog section at rainmakerpathway.com anytime, including our regular encouraging sales success series and our more than live and local series. And now, Let's see what we can learn from this week's guest. Brent, uh, how, how are you? Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, sir.
1: Man, this is awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys. Uh,
0: you know, I'm I'm pretty excited. I, I, you and I have, uh, have interacted on Facebook for years, and I've seen your progress in Pensacola, and it's been amazing to watch that story. But look, where does the story begin? Where were you
1: born? Uh, modesto california the heart of the central valley
0: it was a good time in modesto Modesto, (laughs) interesting and by the way uh that means that you've had incredible local radio story many times in your life tell us about little brent lane though please (laughs) uh well little brent loved the radio in
1: fact um i would get caught. My parents would would bust my chops for listening to the radio at night uh, under the covers and I would get in trouble. I was probably nine years old. And first time my mom walked in, and goes, you have to turn that off. But um, the night guy on the radio station I would listen to um, would end up actually going on to speak to our radio class at Modesto Junior College many years later. And I always thought, that it was really cool because, you know, um, it was an opportunity to have a party and everybody was invited. You know, you got the chance to be in it. And, and the guy who did it was so good at it. You always felt like something was going on. And I always I just, you know, the theater of the mind, the imagination, the. The way he was talking to people and it just always sounded fun. And in fact, actually, my dream job was nights um, until I, I figured out it was easier to feed a family on mornings, but. But. Um, <laughs> But many years later, like I ended up meeting that guy uh, who came to speak to the to the class, and and uh, he gave me two pieces of radio advice that I hold dear to this day. He said, first, um, find something you're passionate about in the community, and second, celebrate the music. And um, those were his two things that I bought into at that time, and um, I I have tried to pass that on okay. and and live it over you know the last however many years, thirty years now for that. So. I thought that we, was really we, neat.
0: Listen, we love giving credit. You remember that guy's name?
1: Man, I was just thinking about. I was thinking about actually before we were going to talk, and it was uh, Hot One Hundred Four was the station, and I am yep. dying because I can't. I can see his face like right there, and I I cannot for the life of me remember his name. So uh, here's the be-
0: here's the best thing. After this podcast. Whoever you are listening to this podcast, you look up that radio station on the Internet and try to do a little digging. I swear I think everything's out there now. That's probably true. You can escape nothing, right? So (laughs) so look, what, what was your first job in the radio business?
1: So in well, I was a sophomore in high school at Thomas Downey High School, and um, they the the lowest rated radio station in my hometown was KTRB 860 AM stereo, California's country superstation. Um, and we were a 100000 watt AM station, like one of the only ones on the on the West Coast. And uh, they were looking to fill public service time. So they reached out to high schools. And I wanted to do like a high school talk show that would rotate around the major high schools in Modesto. And I was first in line at my school to be like, yeah, let's let's go. Let's do it. So it was we were the heat of the night because we were the Downey Knights. That's K.N.I.G.H.T. And um, they let us come out on a Sunday night at six o'clock and then go on the air from seven to ten and or seven to nine and do this high school talk show where we had guests from school and <laughs> it was awesome, man. It was, it was, it was fantastic. Well, um, you, you the very next this week really compelling radio, right? <laughs> I mean, listening back, I've got to tell you, it was yeah. great public service time, but I learned yes. a lot, man. And I learned a lot. And actually some of the people that were on that show with me, I still keep in touch with today. Like we, you know, some of us went into work at IBM and some of us went into BTV newscasters yeah. in San- Sacramento and, and and so you know kind of following those careers like it it, it was pretty awesome but um the, what that allowed me to do was to like be all-consuming man i was in like i was in for everything so by the time i was a senior i was actually running the weekend shifts for that radio station um i was producing or i was the stunt kid on the morning show and i got in trouble at my high school for having my my uh cut bag because that was back when you had uh, tape to cut so the resource officer wanted to know why i had razor blades cotton swabs and and alcohol um and wow. they were very interested in that
0: <laughs> well you know bring... a lot of younger people in our business right now are going why did you have that stuff
1: <laughs> yeah because when you had the reel to reel and you had to splice the tape together right. you needed that and you needed to be able to cut the machine you know cut the you know cl- clean the uh the tape heads and all of that stuff i had to actually get a note from the program director who was Jay willie ford to say mm-hmm. that I needed that for what I did before school started. So, it was uh and it was great, man. And they let me live the dream and I learned production on an 8 track there. And really? oh, it was awesome. It was it was so fantastic. Um uh, and it really they, they like know, they let me live the dream and then I actually ended up running that high school talk show. And by the way, none of the other high schools could put together anybody who wanted to do it or could keep it going. So we it ended up being our show exclusively. And that show was on for about four years before they actually swapped formats.
0: Now, uh, the real radio station that you ended up going to work for, did they recognize you right away as like, oh, that's one of us draft? I think so. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, man, um, like I say, it's, it's been a long time since so I've said these names, Jay Willie Ford and, and uh, Billy Ray were the two morning guys. And I was in Man, you want to come in and do the uh, CHP report at six a.m. Absolutely. Did the dairy report back in the day?
0: Uh, Look, you, you know what we're talking about here. You really remember the people who who let you do stuff. You remember oh, sure. the you know, people that that make an impression on you, and and I think it's it's incredibly valuable in our business and probably in other people's businesses too. Listen, you talked a little bit about this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, and I'm going to pretend you didn't say nights. Did you <laughs> want to do mornings when you first got into radio or did you have some other dream? And I'll tack this on just in case I'm not asking a good enough question based on the night's answer. Did you ever have another dream other than nights or mornings?
1: I did not. I, I, loved the idea of the night show and i really didn't understand the business when i first started so in my head the party was at night and i was not a morning guy uh i mean i was mm. prone to sleeping in till noon if given the opportunity so for me evenings was you know evenings was where the party was and i just thought that was so much fun and and uh, and loved it because and and because i was a night person anyway i that's when i was consuming radio anyway Mm -hmm. so i wanted to be where i was you know that's what i understood at the time the business of it um i got to know uh, obviously over you know my formative years in my teens working you know for essentially as the intern um I got to know why it was important and what we were doing in morning radio and and that was you know pretty critical to the success of the station but sure. um you know it was a lot of fun I had I had people that invested in my time when they would put me on at nights cuz you know <laughs> that's when they were putting me on so actually I got to work midnight to 8am and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Who was going to give me eight hours of control of the radio station at
0: 100000 I know. Loads? It's one of the, when you're young, you're like, I need somebody that's so stupid, they're going to let me do it. <laughs> right? right? Yeah. By the, by the way, that's how I felt that when I went after my first programming job. I was 23 years old. And literally, my mission statement was, I need to find somebody so stupid, they're going to let me do this. I had no idea what I was doing. Boom and uh i found it so (laughs) you know i
1: I was lucky i actually had somebody who invested in my programming desire too because i did eventually want to go into programming and after ktrb i got the chance to Mm -hmm. go work for ed hill at cat country 103 in modesto
0: oh how'd you not get messed up by that now (laughs) (laughs) well i i know ed hill
1: now yeah, I, I mean, I've considered Ed my radio mentor for years, especially my young radio men, you know, mentor for years. Yeah. I mean, I've had some great people over the years who've invested in my life and what my career would look like. But Ed was really the first guy who was like, hey, man, you are you you can do this and you're hungry to do this. And he was the first guy who I recognized as somebody who was creative, like at the time in cat country was a brand new radio station in Modesto. And I wasn't even working for them yet, but I was they took the the trucking school in Stockton, California, and wrapped like 20 of the semis. Because oh, yeah. They had to travel up and down Highway 99 all the time. And they wrapped the semis as cat country trucks. And then it was I mean, it was just mind blowing. Like the, there was a, the Heritage Country station in town through a concert every year, and they lined the concert with these semi trucks. It was it was wild. But it was so of awesome.
0: course and wonderful. And by the way, no one has ever used the word creative with him. They always use the words very creative. <laughs> so <laughs> so, you uh, trouble with so that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. So, look, we are going to get bona fide now. You you didn't know we we're going to do this today, but we are. We'd like to connect with people about their education. I want to talk to you about college a little bit. You went to San Diego State University. You studied media management. What did you get from that experience? And and go all the way. Tell us the whole thing because sure. it's really kind of shocking.
1: Well, I knew I wanted so so when I started in radio, just to back up for a little bit, my mom and dad were not super excited about it. In what? fact, I have a very distinct memory of my mom crying in the kitchen, signing a work permit. You're never going to finish school, and uh, and I and not only did I swear that I would, but I I did know that that was the path for my career. So I applied to San Francisco State, UCLA, and San Diego State and decided that san diego state was probably the best fit for me and uh san diego state had a great reputation for a radio school there's a dr joe johnson who'd been in it for a long time and he was a great
0: mentor radio wait they're all the way across the state I, just for people who are keeping up with the home game you're right. going far away from home right
1: well so san francisco was cloudy 100 percent of the time and that didn't seem like a good idea Uh, UCLA was packed and and really expensive and San Diego State was a school that I could afford and I really loved the I love I loved San Diego I went to visit uh, a couple different times while going to a junior college in Modesto and um, it just it spoke to me as a great place to to thrive and it really was like I I let me put it this way. Not only did I go there to get my bachelor's degree and work my way through radio, but I was so excited to be there I
0: stayed on for a master's degree. So you have a bachelor's and a master's, which means uh, you're just really super smart, right?
1: No, (laughs) I I wouldn't say that. I would say I was dedicated in an effort because I wasn't working full time. Like I was working. I was a part time guy at KSON at the time when I was in San Diego and I was hustling to make it like it was, you know, like, yes, I would love to work midnight to five, then come back and do the midday shift and then go do a remote in cahoots like I was whatever it took to make it. And I had a little little bit of budget left for school and I told my parents, I want to stay down for a master's degree. And that's how I got to stay down there. Oh, I bet mama liked that.
0: (laughs) She did. I bet she liked that. (laughs) Yep. All right. So, so listen, you, you mentioned KSON. Uh, This is a radio station that's well-known and has great heritage and country. Tell us about your nineties and early two thousands experience at KSON in San Diego.
1: So Ed Hill worked at KSON and Mike Shepard was his mentor. And oh, so, yeah. so when I told Ed, so Ed asked me a great question that you should ask when you're hiring people. It is what is going to take you away from me? Like, why are you yeah. going to leave me? And, I, and I've and i never forgotten it. It's one I've used on many hires. And um, I said, I'm going to San Diego State. I'm going to go to school. I'm getting a college degree. And he goes, oh, dude, well. Sh- I went to San Diego State and Mike Shepard's my my, very good friend. And so I was like, I, you know, that that was answering honestly was the right way to get the job in Modesto, followed by the right way to get the connection in San Diego. So I went to school and immediately applied at K S O N, and, you know, truthfully kind of thought I was walking right in the door. Turns out is very difficult to get a job at K S O N. There's almost never any turnover there. And there sure wasn't in the weekend game. Um, And I literally... Applied, I sent a tape. I so when I didn't get the job right when I got there. I went to work for KCR, which was San Diego State's college station, just so I keep the chops fresh Mm -hmm. and um, I sent an air check every 10 days with an updated letter of very interested in working for you. I actually did not think I was going to finally get the job. I had a I had a job interview with star 100.7 across town. And the day I was supposed to get the interview, I got a call that the program director had been fired. And wait, I wait, like, wait before
0: you before oh. you do that, you, okay. you sent a letter and an air check every 10 days for how long? Eight months. Now, for those listening at home or wherever you're listening, this is the way you get the job you want, right? Wow. every
1: month every every 10 days because it would it would move it would move you a day of the week so that way you were always sending it at a, at a different time so it it looked like the intervals in my head this person I'm staying in front of this person a minimum of three times a
0: month That's right so listen was KSON in, very engaged in the community in San Diego?
1: It, well, at the time, yeah. I mean, I everything I learned about community involvement was through there. I mean, everything from St. Jude to uh, we had a giant, you know, there was a lot of grass fires in San Diego because it's dry. And so mm. we would do blanket drives and we, you know, we we had all kinds of different things that we would do.
0: Um,
1: That was the beginning of my understanding of success through service.
0: Right. Okay. So the world has changed a lot since your KSON days in June 2006, which... You know to some of us doesn't seem like that long ago but if you think about it it hurts your feelings you made a decision that i think is very interesting i want to know how cat country 98.7 came into your life
1: well i'll tell you the true story because it's almost a testimonial i would tell anybody um so Mm -hmm. in addition to working in san diego on the radio san diego is an expensive place to live i ran a creative services company and my wife had two jobs And we were trying to make ends meet. And I had a client that actually got seized by the FTC. And I was holding about $250,000 in debt in one weekend of advertising back in June of 2003. And I spent the next many years trying to figure out how to get out of this debt. And we had kind of reached the end of our rope at home, like it just was not working. I was actually up for the music director job at KSON. It came down to me and another guy. And I'd rather not list that guy's name. But they went with the other guy. And Jay Albright was the consultant for KSON. So at a meeting, this is in probably July or August of 2005. I told Jay and John Marks at the time, who was the program director, I have got to make like I've got to make a life decision here. Like we we're going to I have to be employed in radio full time. And like this is this is important for my family. And Jay Albright reached over and handed me Dave Hoxine's business card and Kevin King's business card from Cat Country here in Pensacola. And I made the phone call and they were like, hey, let's fly you out for a visit. So I actually flew out to visit in October. Uh, So a little bit of time Mm. had gone by there, but I flew out to visit in October. My wife and I had a practically divorce level fight about it because she was, quote, never, ever moving to Florida. Um, And why would you tell tell these people that why would you take their money? I was like, I I just need to go, you know, start start the process. I had also, as I mentioned earlier, Ed was kind of my radio mentor. Mm -hmm. Ed was at Cable in Salt Lake City, and I had applied there as well. And so I flew out to Pensacola. And uh, I sent a picture to Angela from my cell phone, Pensacola in 2005 or, two, or 2004, September of 2004 had Hurricane Ivan hit and it was devastating to the community. So I land. This is October of 2005, early October, and it's beautiful on the beach. There's still a lot of stuff that's you know not set back up. But we're sitting out of this place called Crabs overlooking Pensacola Pier. I take a picture. I texted it to my wife. She writes back a, a, a text real quick that says, You like it, don't you? <laughs> and, and I was like, Well, uh, you know what? This is pretty great, man. I don't know. I don't know what you thought we were getting, but this is awesome. Anyway, I spent the weekend with them and um, I, they offered me the midday job. This is, uh, again, this is October of 2005. Interesting. Ed came through and said, Listen, we want to put you on afternoons at Cable Sister Station in Salt Lake City. And I had visited them as well. And mm-hmm. knowing Ed, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I as I told Kevin King at the time, this was the hardest job I'd ever turned down. I liked cat country. I liked that it was a, a brand new station. I liked that it was hustle. I love the people, Kevin mm-hmm. and Tasca and Dave and Mary. And, you know, at the time, Susan and Bob Neiman, like like we I I really like the station. And so I believe in God things and I believe God has a great way to direct your life. Right after I turned them down, I got notified that that Citadel at the time had seized, had ceased firing or hiring people for a minimum of six months. Like, Mm. like I was like, oh, and testimonial wise, like I really needed we needed something full time, like it was important to our financial health at home. So I thought I had just botched everything up like I in my head, I had a lot of a lot of family stresses going on and we were going to have to turn down hours. the wrong job, right? I did. Oh, yeah, man. So about I guess Jay Albright had somehow heard that I did not end up going to the other job. And Dave Hoxing called me three weeks later, said, hey, I hear it didn't work out like you thought it would. Would you reconsider Pensacola? And I was like, I would. I definitely need my wife to be okay with this because I can't move without her. So they flew my wife and I back out and she's like, Hey, I didn't, you know, I don't hate it. Like, I kind of like, this This is all right. I can do this. I don't hate it. Right. Right. Well, that was the deal. Like I had to sign the agreement that if, if she hates it, we'll rip it up. If she doesn't, you're taking the job. So, so we went back to San Diego and, um, how, how I know it's a God thing is I, at the time, faxed my contract back to Dave, and we were prepared for my, me to be there October or December 1st of 2005, and Angela to finish out the school year with our kids and come out in June of 2006, because that's about how long it took to sell a house in San Diego at the time. However, within an hour of signing that contract and faxing it over, somebody knocked on our door and bought our house for the price we asked with no negotiation. Uh, and she arrived in Pensacola eight days later on December 8th. So that's how we know it was a God thing.
0: Okay, so listen, what you're hearing as you hear Brent talk about these things and and how these decisions are made and, and the God thing and all that is really an incredible story because of what cat country in Pensacola was at that time, which was not much, and what it's become. Brent, uh Did did anything surprise you going from KSON to Cat Country 98.7 or from San Diego to Pensacola?
1: You know, I actually had a lot of people ask me about it, and I figured out when I when I told people I was moving in San Diego, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, I went to a school there or I was in the military there. And the truth is, Pensacola is San Diego 40 years earlier. It is a military town, loves the Navy. We're the home of the Blue Angels. We have five military bases within driving distance of my voice. Um, We support the military. Country music is a big is the major format in town. And uh, that's all very similar to San Diego, just without the amount of people. And so, you know, for for us, the transition was actually real easy. I, I went from a beach town to a beach town that loved country music just as much. Now, the difference was San Diego was so big, we couldn't be involved in all of the things that probably were really great. Or maybe I wasn't in the position necessarily to appreciate them. But when I moved here, when I tell you success through service is how we built the radio station, it is how we built the radio station. The very first Mm -hmm. thing somebody said to me when I was wearing yellow for the very first time, like I said, I pulled into town December 5th or excuse me, December 1st, 2005. On that night, I went to the Pace Christmas Parade wearing black pants and a fresh yellow shirt somebody handed me out of our prize closet, and a lady came up to me with tears in her eyes and said, I just want to thank you for what you did for our family during Hurricane Ivan. Obviously, she only saw my shirt and had no idea who I was, but it spoke to me because the station was the only station that stayed on the air throughout Hurricane Ivan, and we drop all, when we we go into hurricane mode or we go into to, uh, storm mode, we drop all music and we are all talk on this radio station talking about where you can find water, where you can find emergency services. Um, or, 16 or 18 years later, Hurricane Sally would be the same thing. Um, and that that was something that uh, was just kind of established at the time. For me, it set the tone for the rest of the time I have been here in how to put service first.
0: OK, let's go deeper let's talk about the station today. You, you might not want to brag about it, but I'm asking you to lay it out for people because the story of cat country 98.7 is a local radio story. And one of the things that I try to get people to understand, we, we have a series on our, our website called more than live and local because you can't just something. We're live and local. It has to be more than that. Can you tell us about the success of this radio station today?
1: Sure. The, sure. This radio station's success today is based on the same success it had when the station started. Because we were brand new at the time, they went to, Dave and Mary and Kevin and Tasca went to all the nonprofits we had in town and said, we'd love to talk about what you're doing To fill, you know, because that's what we want to do. But really, it's because we had plenty of inventory and we could do it. So that established the initial. Hey, we are going to care about what happens in our community. We still do the same thing today. We we built our entire business around success through service. By like this past week, we did stuff the bus for the United Way of West Florida and raised. Thousands and thousands of school supplies for Santa Rosa and Escambia County schools. Um, We had probably the crab cake cook off was Wednesday night. We raised one hundred thousand dollars for Art gateway with the help of the crew of SWAT who actually organized the event. But we were the media outlet for that. Um, I emceed that we have uh, my morning show partner. She is part of AdFed and goes and works with them. And Habitat for Humanity is our midday guy. And our afternoon guy works with law enforcement and first responders. I mean, um, Big Moose is is a champion cook and cooks for grilling in the breeze, which benefits uh, some like uh, the Santa Rosa County School District. And he's got a junior ice flyer who he's a passionate board member about. We all serve in different capacities and I make the joke sometimes that, you know, and I definitely mean no disrespect to Win, but in, in my capacity at the time, I felt like we did three big events every year. And when I moved to Pensacola, we did three big events this weekend. So, know. You, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels I like do. we have something all the time. And, time. and that will we well, no, l-
0: l- let me stop you for a minute and and add this important thing. When people say live and local, you know, I sometimes find myself rolling my eyes because I want them to add relational. Yeah. Okay. Local radio, at its best, is creative and relational, and the things that you're talking about are completely electrifying to local tribes in your community. Would you not say that electrifies the radio station?
1: Oh, I think so, a hundred percent, man. You know, if you help somebody, I if you are a concierge of somebody's. Event and I always look at any opportunity we are given to host an event. We become it's not really about us, it's about us doing the best we can to facilitate the dollars from somebody's pocket into the organization's pocket. And if you believe in the organization and you're passionate about it, then that is really important. And um, because you're really helping people with the story, right? You're if it's big brothers, big sisters, why is it important to have the 200 kids that are on this? Uh, waiting list for mentors in our community. It's to help with, you know, some of these kids' lives will be 100% changed by just finding somebody who who cares about them enough to go see a movie with them. And if I can help facilitate that, I feel like I'm doing my part. Giving is very much a part of success. And people who you help will be your biggest cheerleaders. There is no amount of imaging I can do that is going to overcome somebody else being like, you know, who is always there Cat Country, or Brent Lane, or Mel McRae, or Big Moose, or
0: Jordan Glass. These are the people they know. Because you have relationships with them, right? That's right. 100%. Okay. So look, it looks like you've had nothing but blessings in that morning show job at Cat Country 98.7. I cannot... I can't even go to the program director morning show thing, because if you're stupid enough to take both those jobs, I don't know what's happening in your (laughs) life. Listen, you, you really seem to love the market and they love you, too. What do you love about Pensacola?
1: I think that sometimes moving here from moving to a place from out of town gives you a perspective. For me, I'm a history buff, right? My minor in college was actually history. I love the history of Pensacola. Oldest city in America discovered in 1559 I love every part of the nooks and crannies that our community represents um there's there's all kinds of things about Pensacola that make it very unique Fort Pickens Fort McRae. I mean these are these are places that um, you can go and touch and feel as a history buff I love but the other part of that is is because we have been ultimately kind of the melting pot of the world really for 450 almost 50 years, 450 plus years, you have so much culture in this area that you just don't get from other places. Um, We also have a very unique perspective in that we have so much military here. In fact, District one of the state of Florida has the most retired military of anywhere in the country. People come here. You're in the Navy. Man, I love that place. I'm going back. There's something about it and loving the military. Loving the community and loving country music make it really easy to be successful here. What I get out of this is, in fact, actually, here's here's an interesting statistic, Lloyd. We have a whole bunch of call centers. Navy Federal Credit Union's main call center is here. ATT's call center is here. There's a Cox call center here. There's a couple of other major companies call centers in our community. And uh, they say it's because the people are just friendlier than anywhere else. And I'll take that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, right. that came to me from a from a manager at at uh, one of these call centers. And the truth is, I'll buy you know what? I buy that. I absolutely buy that. So pe- the people make everything. Talk about being welcomed into the community. And I've always felt like if you cheer for somebody's community, it's easy to be a part of the community. And at this point in the game, I feel like we are I mean, if the station burned down tomorrow and I had no hopes of being on the radio station and again, my wife would be the first person to be like, well, I hope you enjoy your time as a consultant or whatever. Because <laughs> We're not. So,
0: leaving. Right. All right. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. So look, it, you and I have touched on a lot of things, including old razor blades and old tape. You've been around for a long time, like like some of us others. And <laughs> look, you started radio. Let's call it way before now. But you've had to—I'm sure, like the rest of us—make your peace with social media. How involved are you with social media today, for the morning show and for your radio station?
1: Man, I, I like to consider myself an early adopter. I was the guy who had uh, all seven of the first DVDs and the Toshiba DVD player. I probably could get get for twenty dollars today, but I bought it for five hundred and fifty bucks. So. When Facebook hit, or actually when MySpace hit, we were on it, and when Facebook hit, we were on it, and we were one of the first stations in the country to exceed a hundred thousand followers. Um, I def- I believe in it, man. I believe fa- social media gives us a face. Um, mm-hmm. You know, t- TV always has the opportunity to to show photos, but this is sort of our imagery, and sure. um, so we use social media all the time. Um, I just another that, way to
0: use creativity, right? Absolutely.
1: Oh yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure, sure. Um, I have I have a daughter who's a uh, influencer and in dating a YouTuber, so I've gotten a lot of insight into kind of what they do, and, and that's Ooh. actually pretty pretty wild to watch. But, um, but how that is, they they act, it, like, I, and this is just really just recent. I just kind of got to observe the operation, um, and I kind of have a whole new appreciation for how that becomes. Uh, some an asset that you can um, mobilize in radio. We use social media Absolutely. in real time all the time, right? So we're you know here we are at at the Sam Hunt concert on Friday night, and how was the show? And we loved it. Or here's Sam Hunt signing the Manhattan, or whatever. Um, engaging with listeners through that. We do it all the time with morning show topics. Um, I we go back and actually go. We have a we have a strategy. We go back and forth. I don't always post a graphic. Or, an, or a photo with the social media, sometimes plain text actually blows up way past what I think a, an image would do. Um, so we kind of experiment with that. We are on TikTok. We're on Instagram. We're, you know, the only the only one I have yet to figure out how to make work for us is really Snapchat. Like the fact that it mm-hmm. just goes away just seems to be a waste of everybody's
0: creativity. So yes, you have a favorite social media, by the way.
1: Uh Facebook is where we reach the most people. I think um, the creative the creative tools of TikTok is hard to ignore. I'll be anxious to see what happens with that government wise. Like how you know does somebody replace that over the next two years? Does it become an American entity? We'll see how that works. Um, like in the state of Florida, for instance, you can't have TikTok connected to a University of Florida system school like Wi Fi. Mm -hmm. So the more those things get put in place, I'm not 100 percent sure TikTok TikTok continues to be like just its thing. So I I don't know what that means yet. That's still a work in progress. I think Instagram is a big deal.
0: I mean, look, all this stuff is traveling into the future and your future is uncertain, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But I want to switch subjects for a minute and talk about something that's got to be close to your heart. Tell us about the morning show.
1: The Cat Pack Morning Show, uh, spelled P-A-K, and that was the one spelling of it before I got there. <laughs> it was supposed to be, it's funny because I've asked been asked more times than not when submitting something if that is the correct spelling, but yes,
0: it is. Of course.
1: Um, yes. So Mel McRae is my partner. We got together in September of 2021, and um, so we're coming up on two years together, which has been New great. Partner. Yeah. Uh, CMA personalities of the year. Um, we're, I, she's one of the funniest people I know. Um, she has an incredible wit and, uh, mm-hmm. an incredible passion for, for radio. It's actually, it's almost shocking. Um, she's, she's Billy Ray McKim is, is in her, I guess she was his student back at Texas AM. And, uh, she is not afraid to be an Aggie here in Cat Country, where predominantly we have a lot of Alabama auburn fsu and florida gator fans so which is great that's right that is right and that we do college picks in the fall with uh, artists and so it's nice to have you know a a, a different viewpoint because you know we all have we all have to have you know our teams and we let our artists celebrate and of course we have the university of west florida argos which is our d2 school but national champ for 2019 national champion and went to the national championship a year ago but lost so um, we, are, we are. It's interesting how proud how
0: how tuned in you are. Everything from the top of Dave uh, to everybody else. You you don't just work with a great morning show partner. You have a lot of great partners in that business, don't you?
1: Oh, it's really true. Um, you know, Dave and Mary, of course, mm-hmm. th- it's their dream, right? Great. So we're living on their dream. My dream is is stacked on top of that. Dave uh, Dave is the, the best radio nerd I know, and Mary is one of the most generous uh, givers of, yeah, let's put it this way. My wife went through breast cancer. I have never worked somewhere where I thought the owners of whatever business I was a part of would come and sit in the hospital with me while somebody in our family was going through something that has happened more than one time. Oh, um, yeah. you know, so you're, we're, we're, we definitely look after each other. Um, you know, Kevin King is probably my creative symbiote. When I first moved here, we had this thing with Kenny Chesney, um, he came to town for a two nights day and we did this thing called quest for Kenny. And, um, we, we had a listener find Kenny, at Hooters on Pensacola beach. And, um, you know, I mean, dude, for Kevin to be like, Hey, yeah, let's, let's do this. Like we, we hit it off right away and have been, oh,
0: he's know, so great. Right? Oh, for sure. He's so great. But I mean, look, you've been very, very fortunate. Now I'm going to get into something that's kind of, uh, you know, look, this question is kind of complex, but I'll try to make it easy. How involved are you in the digital advertising aspects of the station? And is your morning show big into endorsements? I guess I would say uh, this is really how involved are you with the sales efforts and the sales team?
1: I would say we're very involved. Um I am all for feeding a family. Right. So whatever yeah. that takes, and I'm willing to go work with anybody in sales to do it. I have a rule. We meet new salespeople. It is, um, don't beg for forgiveness. Come to me and get my buy-in first. If you've got an idea, mm-hmm. let's work that out together. So programming's on your side and not immediately put off by something we can't deliver or that you've dreamed up. That isn't possible. Um, and I am very about going and making it, I believe in, you know, Endorsements are critical, like I believe, you know, whatever you imagine your digital influencer to be, radios, influencers are the thing. Are the people that people know and trust because you talked about it earlier, relationally, oh, right? We are, yes. we are the best relationers you can get because I'm in your community and you know me. And yes. So, you know, I've spent a career building up what I would consider my uh, relational currency. Um, meaning that if I'm going to endorse a product, then I need to, I believe in it and I stand behind it. And, um, I, I just feel like that is, that is critically important. Like I, I'll give you a great example. There is a dive shop that I got to endorse. This is 15 years ago, but they taught me and my son how to dive they haven't been on the radio station in a long time. I can't endorse another dive shop though, because it was life or death for me. Right. I mean, I literally, they, they held my kid in their hands and were like, Hey man, I know how to do a life and death thing. Like you don't just jump in the water and go down a hundred feet without having some experience in that. And so when they're ready to come back on, I will be there for them, but I can't, I'm not just going to jump into another dive shop because, because I can't, because I literally like, it's not, they didn't teach me how to do it. So that's not for me to do it. Somebody else can do it for sure, but it's not for me to do. And I really believe that you are—you have to be loyal to your endorsements. Um, and, that, and for that reason, I, so. I want to make sure that there's minimum stuff. Like, I don't want to give up a category to something that is only on... You know, twice a month. I don't think that's right. So I try to work with our sales team on how you know what what is our minimum that we're going to do to endorse. What are we going to lock up as a category for our talent, and how do those talents and all of the you know all of our talents are excited to go and be a part of somebody's business. Um, Mel nice. has something with a, a cryo spa that she's been doing for a year and a half. They literally built their business around her. Because she b- believes in it and she's passionate. Incredible. About it. I, you know what I mean? Like they've literally, yeah. they've increased their, what, I, I, an example of mine, um, Fishbine Orthodontics is uh, an orthodontics team. We, I was looking for, I, I knew I wanted, to, our son was going to have orthodontia. I really was looking for something. My daughter was a salesperson at the radio station for a long, long time, went and found them. Hmm. They went from being a $5,000 a year sponsor to nearly $50,000 a year. Like they are a major part of what we do. Relationally speaking, they are symbiotic with what we do. They are a sponsor of our major contest. They are a sponsor of our spring jam concert. We right. love Fishbine Orthodontics at the radio station. And well, because and we there's built also, that
0: up, Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, well, there's also the frequency with radio. Go big or go home. Those are the great clients to have, right? Oh, for sure.
1: We get asked all the time, you know, another another orthodontics team came in and asked, you know, well, what do I got to do to get that? I'm like, you got to have years of doing it over and over and over again. Well, can you do it? I cannot. I am tied to fish mine orthodontics. So but that doesn't mean there's not somebody else in the afternoon who might want to, you know, has who also has kids who could talk about your business as well. But the truth is, you have to be prepared to go in and be symbiotic and you'll see your business grow again. Yep. You know, watching how our talent does it and big moose is a is a fantastic example of this with Evans Automotive like like you just know where you're getting your car in your vehicle fixed and and moose does a great job of being passionate about their product and I think that's something our team all does very well we are all very passionate about those that we represent and I'm the first guy to tell you I want to work around to make sure that whoever we are endorsing, we are protecting. So it's very important. Excellent.
0: All right. So listen, we all like to speculate about the future. Uh, Some people do that with fear. Some people do it with excitement about the future. If you could choose the path, the future path of radio, what do you think you'd like the future of radio to look like, Brent?
1: I think, first of all, I think radio has a unique selling proposition that nothing else has we are yes. live local and immediate. So when the CSX train goes off the tracks in pace, it really stinks to think that I am the only music morning show that is going to be live and talking about it in real time. Cool. It stinks because industry-wise, that's what everybody we built our we built radio into it for 100 years. And and,
0: live wait, and, local. and wait, and wait, you and I can right now create the invitation for others to join us in this idea that you shouldn't be alone, right? But but will they come? Probably not.
1: I think that's
0: unique, right?
1: I think think it really is. I think the downside of where we're at as an industry today is that too many companies looking at it with a uh, bean counter perspective feel like they can basically take one thing and make it a product and it'll be okay enough for every market That they can make enough ad dollars to make that work as opposed to in our case and and you know and i'll I'll extend a great shout out to brent michaels at uh kuzz man like i feel like oh yeah yeah i I feel like he does it right but in an example of if you are genuinely local you can run the table simply start with showing up and then make cool things happen and i think that people recognize that We are the ones talking about and celebrating their successes as opposed to another show that cannot celebrate anything local.
0: So the change in the future you'd like to see is more relational, more local, more willing to break the rules when it benefits local
1: well, yeah, I think that I think in order for radio to continue to be a I, okay, let me rephrase that. I think radio, because it's live and local and has the ability to serve and almost has a govern and really does have a government mandate to serve. It does. I think that you can't replace that. Really? I do think that companies that take a better do a better job of making local everything a priority is going to succeed better than companies that simply go me. It'll be okay if we just put this one show on six hundred stations. I think Sorry. that you can win by being passionate. I think that you win by showing up. Uh, we had a you. You were kind enough to mention that we were brand new, and over the course of the last, just using the time that I have been here, and not necessarily suggesting that that I am in any way the sole reason for that, but I am passionate about it. We we started winning in our community in 2010 and never looked back. Like that's how long it took. They went they started 2003, I got there in 2005, we were winning by 2010 and never w- lost again after 2011. Like we mm-hmm. hit it hard and I was asked in a meeting a year ago about cutting back stuff and I said I genuinely know the path of radio popularity. You can see it everywhere. There's peaks and valleys. Mm-hmm. I am at the part where as the program director or as the morning show co-host that I do not want to be responsible for a valley. Right, I'm afraid of the valley, and I think that I, that motivates me to continue to show up for events that others do not show up for. It motivates me to make sure that our team is still out doing success through service projects. I, it motivates me to be sure that we are applying ourselves to being at the Shredathon so that we are in front of 1,800 cars pulling through there. Because that's what people know us for. The second we're not, the second we stop branding, you know, we still do outdoor, Lloyd. And Mm -hmm. I'll credit Kevin and Dave for that. We still run 40 billboards a year because we believe that by showing our potential advertisers that we believe in ourselves and advertise ourselves, they should believe in us.
0: Yes, we believe what we say, right? Yep, that's right. Right well Brent listen I I look I just want to thank you for making this time on your family Sunday day okay <laughs> to spend this time with us and and just being our guest
1: I appreciate it so much oh man it's it's a pleasure to be here at any time thank you for having me
0: Please do not take for granted what we're doing here and help us by sharing this episode. You can do it directly from our website at RainmakerPathway.com in the free blog section. So it's really easy to find blogs all about you. In fact, if you're in the radio business and we want you to share it with others who are interested in growing their career in radio and audio. This episode of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is designed like the 100 plus others in our archive to encourage radio pros at all levels. We definitely want to thank today's special guest, Brent Lane, program director, morning show co-host, Cat Country 98.7 W. YCT Pensacola Florida a very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast which we make available right after we do the live interview of course and just JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in this business. Subscribe for free anytime on Apple Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcast. I always say that because A lot of people, they run across us the first couple of times in social media because we share that way. We regularly say this all the time on our podcast, and I say it to clients regularly. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you have any question about this philosophy, please reach out to me. It is my personal passion to tell you about it. I'd love to prove it to clients regularly. If you don't remember anything else from this podcast episode, remember this, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the radio rally with the encouragers. And of course, we'll make it a great week in local radio.